0: Hello and welcome to the Modern Reformer podcast. The mission of the Modern Reformer is the edification of the saints through the recovery of the historic faith. I'm your host, Mitchell Roten, joined by my co-host, Avery Roten.
1: How we doing? Ahoy. 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 (laughs) What's up, Avery? Ahoy. What's up? Yeah. Not a whole lot. Mm. Just thinking about free will. You think about that a lot? Just thinking about it, which I'm free to do.
0: You're free to... Free to will and to think. Contemplate free will? Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think about it? What do I think about it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it's good. All
0: right. So you don't think a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah. know, I agree
1: with the chapter. I agree mm. With The chapter of free will. I think it's important to say that you do, in fact, have free will, rightly defined. Mm-hmm. Yep. so this is chapter nine on free will <laughs> if you can get down by the end
0: <laughs> so what, what do you think uh the generic definition that most people have a free will is
1: uh, i would say the generic definition would be uh what's known as autonomous free will so you have free will to arbitrate all things um so you're not bound by any sort of decree or nature it's just um Pretty much as you want to enthrone yourself, so it'd be contingent upon nothing. I I do my own thing. Mm. So,
0: so when we said God, God decreed. No, (laughs) (laughs)
1: well, do not you clarify that for us?
0: (laughs) So we said God uh, decrees all things that come to pass. Back in the Decree chapter. Yep. We kind of got into this subject a little bit about how man's will interplays with that, right? Yeah. And people really struggle. I did to understand how these two things can be true at the same time that is, God has decreed all things that come to pass, both the ends and the means, right, and at the same time, men are truly free un uh, not compelled, mm-hmm. not forced, um uh, yeah, that's
1: re- what yeah, so that's the biblical. Uh, definition of free is what one is acting upon desire you can do that no one no one's ever put a gun in anybody's ribs and made them sin you know what i mean i I can personally speak to that nobody's ever compelled me or forced me to to sin i've always wanted to do that (laughs) so uh, at least in my unregenerate state i mean
0: there's been a lot of philosophical writings from the christian camp written on this subject about will and the interplay of will and decree and and all that. So, it's it's a It's an important point to state from our perspective especially because the consistent <clears throat> objection given to our position concerning God's salvation, man, how that works, um maybe we should restate it as to what we believe as if it's not been clear for 10 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> So we believe God saves men completely of himself by his grace alone, in his son alone, Mm -hmm. to his own glory. We believe in uh, one actor in salvation. God does the work. We are simply recipients. So the consistent critique of that position is that you make men into robots. You take away their their will in that, which uh, is a fair objection, I think. Uh, coming in, f- coming from, I guess rather, being an objector to that idea myself, that was my chief objection, is this uh, destruction of will. Because when you destroy the will, what you also destroy is responsibility, right? No one blames the the MacBook for being a MacBook, right? No one blames mm. the cheetah for doing cheetah stuff. It's It's just not their fault you know what i'm saying so Uh when you it's extremely important to hold up what this doctrine what we believe about will man's will and at the same time not compromise what the bible does say about the nature of man and its impact on the will
1: yeah we we need to be very careful when we handle it and we need to uh state up front that if, if your objection to Uh, reformed theology or to the confession would be that they don't believe in free will that's not true Uh, in in, in
0: one sense it is true because they don't believe in the type of free will that we propose today yes if you
1: want to think of biblical free will or creaturely freedom they absolutely confess that Mm -hmm. believe it so the the real issue it's not determinism in that Mm -hmm. sense Yeah. yeah so determinism is uh, it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, regardless of you, and you're not an acting party mm-hmm. in that.
0: Yeah. Which is the only logical conclusion, by the way. Side note of naturalistic evolutionary thinking: you're predetermined.
1: Yeah, I have God chemicals. You have non-God chemicals. That's the reason I believe in God. And you don't. All From that. a natural, all, all that natural world, view. all
0: that's predetermined.
1: Yeah, there's no will inside of there's no there's no, no mechanism to do man with mm-hmm. anything other than chemicals in natural worldviews. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is something they <clears throat> greatly. Undersell <laughs> from, from their side of the yeah. aisle there. Agreed. Greatly undersold. Agree with that. So we're not, we're not determinists in that sense. Strict, fatalistic determinist, mm-hmm. which is what everybody thinks of when they think of Calvinism, when they think of Reformed theology. Yeah. That's the same objection that's in every comment section of every Calvinist video ever made. Right. Yeah. So no, what are you
1: doing, man? <laughs> There's no, no, well, I'll say don't follow John Calve. No actual quote unquote Calvinist quote unquote. Anything is in that position is going to say, "You know what, man? You're compelled, and, and we're against your will, and all these things."
0: I realized pretty quickly, not not quickly enough, but pretty quickly, in all my critiques of this position, that no one held my critique. Like I was, <laughs> I was critiquing stuff that no one said or believed or at all, and that doesn't stop people from continuing that argument, continuing that onslaught of.
1: I've I've heard very few people articulate. Let's just take this truth correctly of what is actually being said that didn't actually believe the position. Oh, yeah. I agree. The yeah. people that articulate
0: it correctly uh, usually believe it, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I agree. And the people that don't articulate it correctly. Now, there's been a few. There's been a few. Yeah. But the people that don't articulate it it's correctly what I've do a very good job at keeping, uh, keeping from understanding it. Like they, they do their best to just no oh, way they build up yeah
1: they build up a boogeyman to and, ignore, you know, mm. really the the meat of this argument agreed. So anyway, <clears throat> so what is free will then? Point okay. one is uh, so before we get into it, point one is like a it's a general truth of what free will is. I think it's a biblical definition of free will. Mm-hmm. And then two is going to be the state of free will before the fall. Three is going to be the state of free will after the fall. Four is going to be uh, the state of free will during sanctification, after your conversion, but before your glorification. And point five is going to be the state of free will inside of glorification. And all those senses rightly defined you have a free will, uh, Mm -hmm. as as defined by point one. So the issue with
0: modern pagan ideas of free will are that they make you equal to God. Mm, right. Yeah, right. That's really that's the... That's a good way of putting it. That's anyways. really the offense is that to in our thinking, in modern in modern thinking, to have free will, you have to have autonomous will that is completely unaffected by what you are, who you are, anything. Mm-hmm. You have the the right to determine everything about yourself, your destiny, everything.
1: And you see that you don't yeah. receive anything. It's all generated from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Nor
0: do you have anything nor, nor that influences you. You're that.
1: dependent upon nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. You're the arbitrator of all these things.
0: And you see this in a lot of ways in our culture. Just a, a few. Um, new-agey power of positive thinking has influenced just everyone. New-agey. It's very new-agey. new age. New and new-agey just means Eastern old-school pagan. <laughs> by the way and and rebranded what, with a little, yeah so you, with modern american you, vocabulary yeah you think positive thoughts you attract that's the law of attraction another big thing you and all that really does have a doctrine of of will and uh, you attract positive things through speaking them through believing them uh the, you think of the whole corruption of christianity that is the prosperity movement prosperity gospel it's just the law of attraction writ large there and it it presupposes a lot about the will, like in its, its ability, which is way over overshot there. And then its it's, it's uh, nature, like what it actually is. So from the Christian worldview, we do have a very negative okay, picture of post-fall, that is after Adam and his rebellion and what's imparted to his uh, progeny, what's imparted to the human race. We do have a very negative view of that, negative in the sense of it's um, affected in a negative way by the nature that's imparted from Adam. That being said, we also have a very different definition of what free will is in general. We have a different definition completely. So even if, uh, theoretically, if you were to move original sin and, uh, I'm sorry, remove original sin in the fall from our theology, we would still have a different definition of free will than the modern pagan sensibility because we believe in God who orders and decrees all things that come to pass. And in effect, we believe in a will that's greater than creaturely will. And that's really the the root of, say, the disagreement between theistic ideas And atheistic ideas or agnostic ideas. Because what atheism and agnostic ideas really are is the deification of man. Because up front, you paint man as this arbiter of ultimate freedom and will and ability. So that's just a quick summary. We Mm -hmm. we see, so on the one hand, in-house between Christians, there's a lot of disagreement on this. And on the other hand, out of house, <laughs> there's plenty of disagreements in society. So, it's a central point. Um, no one should ever say, after hearing this podcast, that Reformed people don't believe in free will. Rightly defined. Rightly defined. We
1: probably don't believe in your version of free will. Yeah. We believe that the Bible teaches free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. That is correct.
0: The Spanish Armada. (laughs) Do you have anything else to say before we get into the actual chapter?
1: No. Let's just go ahead. The Magna Carta. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't get that movie reference, that's probably for the best.
0: What movie was it?
1: Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Yeah.
0: An unsanctified film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From our former lusts. Yeah. We freely chose to watch. We did. Yeah. Chapter 9 of Free Will, Paragraph 1. God has endued the will of man with that natural liberty and power of acting upon choice that is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil.
1: There, I think that's the great, that's a simple biblical definition of free will. The, the ability to act upon choice,
0: ability to act upon choice,
1: ability to act upon choice—that is a creaturely freedom, given to you by God. Hmm.
0: Do you think in uh, paragraph one, this is talking about before the fall?
1: I think this is a general description of post and pre-fall. So when he says, so when we say original sin, that doesn't mean that that now original sin compels you to sin and you fight against it. Uh, original sin now denotes to you a fallen nature which you desire to sin so you still will that it's not like somehow there's all these people that are trying not to sin and then they're they're just sitting
0: uh, against their will
1: against their will now, i'm not saying that you can't be in the throes of addiction or something like that and realize what you're doing wrong but ultimately that's your choice ultimately you're choosing to do your greatest desire so you're you're acting upon that choice yeah so there's
0: a uh category a distinction made in christian theology here in, in <laughs> Reformed christian theology uh, and this is extremely easy to miss i'll say that i think for myself trying to work through this over time this distinction between desire and will our nature and will everyone slice that up yep. uh, so the will though affected by the fall is not taken away uh, would you think that's fair of what point one's saying mm-hmm. and that yep. the wheel actually is still not the driving factor of good and evil yep. like it's not the choice because the choice is not removed
1: yeah it's it, your desires right your 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 capacity and your wheels fallen as well it's only fallen not in the sense because you don't choose to do those things but because it's bent towards sin yeah yeah so it's not so, so you're, you're getting a little ahead of yourself yeah i know so the ability to act upon choice is never taken away okay yeah
0: Never taken away. They uh, they use Matthew seventeen twelve, um, James 1, 14. James 1, 14 says, "But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire." Now, <laughs> that let's come on out and say it. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you quoting Billy? Mansoor? I don't know. I need to so, quit. James one fourteen, I think, is a great example actually of what we're saying about desire versus will i think what they're trying to get at though is that it's his own right it's not a com- compulsory mm-hmm. right yeah. i think that's what they're trying to hide yeah yeah so no one has ever compelled you to sin yeah. i say it that way deuteronomy 30 19 says i call heaven and earth to witness against you today that i have set before you life and death blessing and curse therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live—that classic passage. <laughs> that that illustrates. Uh. <laughs> that illustrates choice. It does yeah. illustrate choice, and and that's the Lord through Moses, really Moses, but obviously under the inspiration of the Spirit, uh-huh. saying, "You have a choice; make the right one." Right. We don't deny that part of revelation. Um, I used to really think that to believe what I believe now would nullify all the, all the parts of Scripture that clearly teach God holding out grace to fallen men and telling them to choose correctly. hmm You know? Yep. And I think that's a caricature. It is. Of the position that we hold. Uh, The objection that says that doesn't exist anymore when you accept this position is untrue. That being said, we do have a different um, understanding of how that works Mm -hmm. and its effect that it's produced in people.
1: Yeah, so that's point three. Yeah. So, basically. So... This is, this is a good definition of, of creaturely free will.
0: What's the difference between creaturely will and divine will?
1: Divine will is divine will is not a, a descendant nor contingent upon anything. So God willeth simply out of himself. I willeth out of desire, things received from me, God's decree, things such as that nature is, and that's my freedom. God has autonomous as he is autonomous, I'm not autonomous, I'm dependent upon him, he's not dependent upon me, so that's a presupposition you have to make as a Christian right, so that's a
0: biblical yeah. supposition and, of and of if if you don't God. if you don't understand that distinction between God's will and yours mm-hmm. then you've already i mean you're you're done for yeah, right? so
1: if you want to define free will as in the way in which God wills autonomously, then mm-hmm. that's where we have a problem
0: well that that's what everyone thinks though. oh I agree, I mean yeah. Just, yeah.
1: So that's not biblical free will. Biblical free will is the desire to act upon choice, not com- not compelled by anything. So in the
0: entire modern evangelical Christian evangelism movement is built on this doctrine of free will that's basically equal to God's will. Um, the classic tract from Moody, and I went to Moody Bible Institute, by the way, so I can say this, <laughs> Went there all four years. For me, it was five. I went to college both years. I went to college. <laughs> so I can critique Moody as a man who is set in his legacy place. Um, his classic passage, uh, evangelical tract that he formulated, he or his associates, I don't exactly know all the history, but long story short, it was, God has casted his vote, his vote is for you satan has casted his vote his vote is against you now you cast your vote right how does that not on the very face of it put you and god in the same chair and say god's done all he can do this entire evangelical movement that says god has done all he can do
1: now it's up to you That's pretty scary it's terrifying yeah so in that analogy satan has casted his vote against you you have casted your vote with satan and then god rescues out of that state that's what we think. That's what Bib- yeah. that's what the Bible would hold yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, and that's because of what the Bible teaches on many points, but uh, free will as well. Um, yeah. So anyway, we'll get into, I guess, the post-fall um, condition.
1: Yeah. Well, you pre-fall in two. But, so pre-fall in two. So one is... <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. You're, you're, you're on. You're okay. Point one, general definition of creaturely freedom, a biblical understanding of free will. Okay, good with that? You like that? I do. Uh, I think the text they use... uh, It illustrates to you that you have the ability to act upon desire. Yep. And you're called (laughs) to do that. (laughs) 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 Yep. Act upon choice. Whatever you want to say. Desire. Choice. Desire. You agree with
0: that? I do. I I think that remains. I think it's what they're trying to say. Good. Yep. That's in general what it is to be made in the image of God. Be a man have mm-hmm. responsibility those things uh, remain even post fall so the, like you said the general definition idea is that
1: you have the ability to choose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep good enough so original sin would not mean that you're compelled to sin no that you're forced right nobody ever said that yeah
0: yeah. nobody in all church make history, you unliable even hyper calvinists yep. that would be people that truly believe in basic fatalism Still don't even say that. I like to call that sub Calvinism.
1: I don't think is the right word. They use hyper, I think, because it's 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 heightened, but it's not. It's yeah. sub Calvinism 'cause it Yeah. yeah. But it, no, I I understand the term. I'm just yeah. saying it I, it destroys Calvinism. Yeah, I yeah, agreed. Completely. Yeah. So that but I know what
0: you mean by hyper Calvinism. Okay. Yeah. I know what you mean by that, man. I would define hyper Calvinism <laughs> as
1: as fatalism. True yeah, fatalism true fatalism, yeah. So it's it's um Laissez-faire fatalism. Yeah, right? wait for the result, then apply the means. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, that's <laughs> that's Calvinism. Yep.
0: Yep. Which is the, the just backwards.
1: Yeah. Right. To, to
0: what God's <laughs> given us in His Word. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I think this the existence of this entire section shows you many things as far as how easy it is to pervert systematic theology and come up with one's own thing, one's own you know proclivity. Mm -hmm. and uh uh oh i'm gonna go there (laughs) armenianism armenianism what armenianism is a perversion of systematic theology 100 it is a denial of doctrines that are clear as as day and it is a perversion of doctrines that can't that for anyone just to read the text on election on reprobation on effectual calling which is the next chapter this idea of how salvation is applied to men what the Father does, what the Son does, what the Spirit does—it's just a denial of that and a inflation of the free will idea. That's what it is mm-hmm. a- at its very core. It's 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 the original, it's the OG way to say we don't like this idea of God's will being basically of a different stripe and basically uh, commanding of ours um, being determinative in a different way than ours could ever be even pre-fall we hate that idea why well because we're fallen. <laughs> yeah <you> know, <laughs> you yeah know. and that's fun. not to say armenians uh can't know the lord or, are, or aren't saved but they are truly wrong doctrinally and demonstrably wrong and has been demonstrated for hundreds of years so nothing new here you know mm-hmm. anyway Point two. Point two. Man, in his state of innocency, had freedom and power of will, and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God. But yet was unstable, so he might fall from it.
1: Yeah, so before the fall, Adam had all capacities and desire and freedom in order to exercise his free will unto life unto a keeping of the commandments unto a actual righteous being in his state of inerrancy before innocency. Yeah, innocence, sorry. Yeah. Innocency. Inerrancy. I yeah. guess I also you would be inerrant without error here. at that point, yeah. That point. Mm-hmm. Not infallible. Not infallible,
0: but inerrant. <laughs> so inerrant. Yeah. They quote Ecclesiastes seven twenty nine. See this alone I found that God made man upright, but they sought out many schemes. They use Genesis 3, 6. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the food and ate, and she also gave some of her husband, who was with her, and he ate. You know, I think you see this uh, corruption of will, uh, you know, in a way, in the fall, but you also see the existence of will. I think that's what they're saying. Mm, oh, yeah. Uh, and that, of course, they fell f- from it by the exercise of their volition. right? We're not... Uh, so, this is a great example of the interplay between God's decree and man's responsibility, man's will. So, we say God decreed to fall. We also say God decrees all things that come to pass. Um, we don't nullify secondary means, causation. In fact, we went through all that, you know, belabored those points. So, in the original sin, that imparts original sin, right? Uh... You you see, what what's recorded for us is Eve's uh, desire controlling her decision. I think that's the best way to see that. The decision exists, the choice um, is uncompulsory, but what drives that decision is her desire. She sees these things in the tree that God has forbidden obviously under deception of the devil she believes this lie because basically everything that she sees and desires is false (laughs) in fact this tree will make you wise unto death (laughs) it it will not assist you yeah she's Uh,
1: she's truly deceived by the serpent truly yeah she believes that Mm -hmm. but what we're what we're highlighting here is her choice and that's the mutability of it yeah so uh, so when Adam names the animals, mm-hmm. what does God say? It's good. It's good. So Adam actually does a righteous act there, as in Adam is capable of actually uh, producing goodness in his nature, in himself. As he, he desires what's right. He does what's right. And that's before the fall. So when he names the animals, God actually calls it good, and it's well-pleasing to God at that point in time. But the difference between two and five— is that it's mutable? That means that it's changeable. That it's that it's not permanent. So he created man with the ability to fall. Yeah. So and right. also the ability not to fall. <laughs> right.
0: So and and really to, what, to,
1: to fulfill the covenant, giving it to him. He, you know, yeah. I think I think what you see
0: in the fall, the actual transgression, is a choice that's made. That's for sure, and a wrong one. The issue, though, the deeper issue. It, okay. The issue of this chapter is we want to hold up and say, it's a real choice. You have the capacity to choose. We don't nullify that. What you see in Eve, though, is that that choice is controlled by a desire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No one chooses um, arbitrarily. It's not possible. And the way uh, Sproul, and this was this was a big impact on me, to to understand what people are actually saying in this camp that I now find myself in, um, the way Sproul and Sproul was just taking from Edwards before him, but making it way easier to understand, in my opinion. Sproul said, if someone puts a gun to your head, right, and says, do this, you would say that it's against your will. But technically, <laughs> that's what he, you know how Sproul was. Technically, <laughs> that's not because. You desire more than anything in that situation not to get shot. Yeah, just shoot me. That's yeah. always a choice. It's it all, it, it <laughs> is a choice. So it's not technically against your will, by the most strict definition, philosophically. you know. So the, the point is that desire controls will. So what... Uh, spoiler alert. What we say in the reform camp is not that you don't have freedom of choice. It's that your desires, your nature, other parts of your being are so corrupted that you will never choose correctly doesn't nullify the choice. So
1: you could make... your will's corrupted, as in it it's the, it desires sin by the desire. But yeah, yeah. you're correct. Yeah.
0: So your will doesn't remain neutral in some sense either. Right. But it's also not abolished. Mm, all right. So, so an original sin... It doesn't in, become captive as no, in no. compulsory from no. someone else. No, oh, yeah. it does become captive to sin. Right. But it doesn't the, come
1: captive in the sense that it's not free will, as in you don't choose that. Yeah.
0: So so the uh, the critique... Of our position of will is often that we don't believe in free will. In fact, that, that's just what people say. They don't believe in free will. I can't. I can't go there. What? You know. So it's like he, he, there's a whole chapter in our confession on free will. <laughs> you know what I mean? The problem. The problem is we don't believe in in modern evangelical understandings of free will. That's very true. So it's in one way it's a legitimate. Um, it's a legitimate uh, problem people have
1: yeah so uh, a good point to bring out here is uh, chapter nine doesn't fall out of thin air so this should also uh, it doesn't fall out of thin air no it doesn't so so you this should really point you back and to say this is said within a covenantal context this is said within building truth so this is all really free will in 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 relation to the covenant position that you're in. So the covenant of life, covenant of grace, pre pre and uh, post-conversion, and then glorification, all those are, are covenant uh, progressions, I guess if you want to say it that way, of, of how your will is then working. So two, describing before the fall, is man is actually created good, can do good works. And is not bound by any sort of uh, failing or original sin. So, But it's a, changeable, right? So we went through that in the covenant section. Yeah. yeah. This idea of power of will, I think, is what I would highlight here. That his
0: will... This is what's lost in the fall. Yeah. yeah. So his will has the ability because, because of his nature being unfallen. He has the power of will to to truly obey later commands like Deuteronomy 30 that says choose rightly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Adam... In he has his, the ability. He yeah. has that ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what actually changes from pre to post fall or the impartation of original sin is not the destruction of will. Mm, yep. The destruction of that ability of man to choose. Yep. Agreed. We hold that up and say that continues. Fair enough? Fair enough.
1: Good. Yeah. I think we we pretty much belabored point two pretty heavy in the covenant section. So,
0: I should I should moved on. No, I'm just saying. I feel no, like I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'm
1: just saying. I feel like we I feel like we we've hammered that out that that what that state of in uh, innocency was what that what that covenant would have meant if he fulfilled it and all those things. So that's his state before the fall. It's not bound by sin, but it's not fixed immutably. Not bound by sin. Hmm able to change this is where the controversy begins yeah point hurrah hurrah trace
0: point three man by his fall into a state of sin has wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation so as a natural man being altogether averse from that good and dead in sin is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto.
1: That's uh, that's total inability and that's total depravity. So the fall then loses man loses that ability uh, to do good. Kind of like uh, Sam Waldron explained it like this. I was listening to one of his lectures the other day, and it said it's pretty much like a pretty much like a drunk when you tell him he has to stay in between the lanes. <laughs> he can't because he's drunk, but he has to because it's legally required. So that's that's a pretty good um, parallel there to what it's like. Your what your uh, will is after the fall. Free the ability to to act upon choice is not taken away, but your choices now are sin, because you're bound to them by nature, and by your by your desires. You're fully fallen away from that innocency state, but are truly guilty before God. So. It's not as if when you look at an unbeliever and they give a million dollars to a charity, that's righteous. It's not righteous. That's not a good work. Uh, Luther says there's enough sinful actions in my good deeds that I need to be redeemed from them. Hmm. So post-fall, now all your desires and actions and all those things are now hostile to God. So whatever fruit they produce is sinful in the root. Well, it may be civically good. The reformers would have said, "For you to give money to charity, that does that does no righteousness before uh, the face of God, because He understands your heart and sees you know, all your desires and implications for that."
0: Yeah, this may be the most offensive part
1: uh, of the doctrine of man that we
0: that we have. So, and this is this is the foundation of the gospel, right here. It really is. A right understanding of our condition. So, um, I don't think this is even too simple. Maybe an oversimplification, but not really, honestly. Every other religious system on the face of the earth is a merit-based system. That is to say, if you give a million dollars to charity, you're getting something for it. (laughs) Which is why it's sinful. (laughs) Which which is why every other religious system is clearly different, at the very least, than Christianity. Right? So the uniqueness of Christianity and its doctrines doesn't necessarily make it true. Here's the thing, though. Um, Without fail, every critique I've heard of Christianity from someone who doesn't, from the world... Okay, we'll say it like that. From people who are maybe intellectually brilliant, but fallen. (laughs) They don't critique the true thing, right? Um, They don't understand the true thing. In fact, they're blinded from understanding the true thing because they're bound in sin. So all the critiques I hear from the the atheist slash agnostic, even other religious camps... I don't know that I've ever heard, and that's not to say that I'm some sort of authority on uh, arguments against Christianity. I'm not. But I've heard a lot of arguments. And in every argument, it's not a critique of the true thing. It never is. Because the true thing is grace alone, Christ alone. That is, uh, what we actually espouse as Christianity and its core message is that God has done something. And uh, he will continue to do something in application of that Uh, thing that he has done (laughs) and it's a it's a theocentric religion a true one not one that masquerades and then has a workspace righteousness which is every other one that would claim that i guess my point is without this doctrine the true understanding of man and his condition the gospel becomes easily shifted into something else so when people critique christianity they often do that on an ideological level they say um, christianity is a system of morals And this other religion is a system of morals, so they can coexist. They basically say the same thing. That's a very common um, understanding of of just religion in general, that it's good for people because they need it. They're scared to die. They need a purpose. Religion gives them that. It doesn't really matter which one. Here's the thing. That is so historically insane to, to think that anybody before 1800 had that thought. Nobody thought that. Uh, the modern proclivity to just lump things together because you don't want to do the work of studying them <laughs> it is massive in our culture. Like this idea of, um, well, that entire system of like, which is, by the way, a naturalist looking at a religion, right? He's already made his decision, and he's trying to categorize the world based on his suppositions. That's what that is. So, So it's good because it's good for people because my standard of good and bad is basically, arbitrarily, my own decision, and I'm a naturalist. So I believe the world just exists, matter exists, and all that is is matter, nothing else matters. So there is no spiritual aspect to life. There is no true God that exists above the cosmos, that orders the cosmos, that brings His will to pass. None of that exists. So I view everything from a different lens. And thus, to bring it back around to where we're at, sorry about that, <laughs> uh, When you compromise this understanding of man's condition and his need of a savior, it's very easy to just continue on down that trail until you compromise What? what's left, you know? Um, What's left of the Christian worldview? Not much. It's actually a very central point to understand uh, what man needs saved from, what man actually is, what what the fall has done to men, right? What must be done by God to bring a man to himself.
1: Yep. So. so now your will is captive to sin by its greatest desire. Your, your greatest desire is always going to be sin.
0: They use Romans 5, 6. <clears throat> <clears throat> that's while, a good one. While that's we what were, I used. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 8, 7. This is a big one. I'm not a big proof texture, but here's a proof text for you. <laughs> the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does
1: not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. That's ability. That's the ability. It has not the ability to submit to the law of God. That's plain plainly spoken. Agree. Ephesians two, um,
0: verse one. You were dead in trespasses and sins. It's good enough for them. <laughs> right they, they they don't get into the tomes of literature about debating the syntax and, and right. They just say it says you were dead in trespasses and sins. you know. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 5 as well. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, uh, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Titus 3, 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not by works done by us in righteousness, but by his own purpose and grace. <laughs> John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I'll raise him up on the last day. So, here's where the rubber meets the road on this one. As we've said before, you don't actually meet God halfway. In fact, you don't actually meet God at all, apart from Him coming to you. That's really the assertion that we're. That's why all these things actually matter, uh, because the impact of the evangelical modern understanding of will, in a practical way, is actually the the diminishment of the glory of God in salvation. I'll say that again. the The impact of the modern understanding of human capacity and meeting God halfway actually diminishes the glory of God
1: okay yeah so I was gonna say something I can't remember what it was now give me just a minute oh okay so yeah point three is gonna say the modern well the 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 merit based system of which everybody other religions would like to hold out is that you do good if they outweigh your bad you go you get a reward yeah the Bible is going to teach that you have never, apart from Christ, apart from being in Christ, never done anything good. There's not one action that you've ever done that is not sinful. That, that's from raising your children. That's from giving money to charity. That's from all those things. You have no ability whatsoever to do or to will good because you are captive in that nature of original sin, not not because you don't have the ability to act upon choice, but because of your ability to act upon choice now. You are in a state of inability to save yourself, to do anything righteous, to cooperate with God, because you're dead. Dead men don't grab, dead men don't reach. They're dead in sins and trespasses. Not because you don't want to be dead, because you want to be dead. So that, that's what they're saying here. After the fall, the fall produces death. So when he, when he looks at Adam, he says, the day that you eat of this uh, uh, eat of this fruit, you will what? Surely die. Not you will die. No, he dies then. He dies there, at least spiritually to, to God. Should have been capital punishment. He should have been physically relieved of his body, but by grace he wasn't. Uh, but this is what it means to be fallen. That means to be completely captive to sin, dead in it, completely.
0: So, Luther writes, the bondage of the wheel. Edwards writes, which is the greatest American theologian, people say. Do you say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you did, who's, a, who's a
1: better American theologian? A better American theologian? Yeah. MacArthur. Then Edwards? Yeah jeez man 100 percent. we're not gonna go down this route i disagree with you there
0: now we find ourselves in a particular context (laughs) if you want to talk about impact Uh, so anyway that's a different conversation yes yeah i'm
1: not gonna even touch that one
0: okay better than edwards have you ever read edwards yes what have you read of edwards Uh, i've read some stuff right you sure you haven't just listened to people talk about edwards and how great he is
1: no, I've, I've done both.
0: Edwards is a brilliant man, so brilliant that he's very hard to understand. Yeah, very inaccessible. Well, You've
1: got the any sort of old person that you read, you've got to acquaint yourself with their style. That's part of the that's part that of the experience. experience. So, what makes Edwards great? I've got the complete work of Jonathan Edwards.
0: I've got it on my kid. It's like that long. It's big. So, what makes Edwards great? I think, in my opinion, which t- take my opinion for what it's worth. I dare you? I'm not a big sacred cow guy, right? So. I love the Puritans. Love Edwards. think he had a massive impact. Love him. See him in glory. He'll probably be mad at me because I said MacArthur was a better he, American theologist. He should
1: be mad at you for that.
0: You think so? Yes. He should be rightfully mad at me? Yes. Okay. <clears throat>
1: Jeez. We're going to move on.
0: Okay, let me repent. I'm going to deal with you after this. <laughs> I'll repent. Sorry about that, Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, that's I, a joke. I take it back. Anyway, Edwards writes. I'm glad we. I'm glad we cleared that up. Okay, I'll say this. I'll give a personal <laughs> anecdote about Jonathan Edwards. I was um, assigned his sermon, "Sinners in the Heads of an Angry God," right, which is, I mean, by all intensive terms, the sermon that started the First Great Awakening. That's the you know, take it for what it's worth. Historians disagree. Anyway, I did read that sermon in its fullness, and I wrote a paper on it. And I said in that paper.
1: MacArthur said it better. (laughs) That's what you said.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) No, no. I said in that paper, this is what's missing from modern American Christianity. (laughs) Okay. This is it. So in that sermon, what you see in a very poetic way is the judgment and the righteous wrath of God that's going to fall on humanity. It's a brilliant way to make that practical, make that applicable to the, anyone. Um, the imagery he uses is truly terrifying, right? That you hang by a thread over the pits of hell, and every day that thread is in danger of breaking. Like it's, it's a brilliantly crafted sermon. I would never diminish uh, Edwards as a man, as a Christian man, right? As a man who's had influence on Western thought as well. So he... Uh, I'm just giving you a hard time. Getting away you know, from it's, the it's fine. from the personal anecdote. It's Edwards is a great theologian. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta go. So, so anyway, he he writes the freedom of the will, right? <laughs> and yeah, his synopsis, all right, this is massively important, I think. He doesn't come up with anything new right no one ever does in some sense paul said it best so so edwards synopsis and edwards if i had a critique of him okay it's that he's extremely philosophical he's so smart and how would i say how would i say that more to my level of thinking he's so smart that it's hard to get out of his own way okay i'll say it like that he does have some problems i agree he's very smart Anyway, his, his work
1: Mark, with the pre-fall Adam and all that true. Sure, sure. He, he's,
0: he's so smart, he just can't help himself. He but. also
1: predicts the day of Christ's return. I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah. MacArthur never did that. No, MacArthur didn't, because he thought it should have been yesterday.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Oh, so
0: so Edward writes the freedom of the will. Here's the, my synopsis. Take this for what it's worth, of the freedom of the will. The freedom of the will is basically this chapter. Okay, now I don't think Edwards was a Baptist, right? Oh no, gosh, no. No Edwards? No, no. no.
1: Uh, that, that was a joke. Anyway, he was <laughs> <laughs> a Baptist, he got that going for him. Yeah. So anyway. We we've we've lost it again. That's fine.
0: Go ahead. him. His synopsis was you have freedom of choice. You do. Your choice is controlled by something else. Right? That's real and he says that in a lot of different scenarios. <laughs> In a lot of different <laughs> words. It is highly repetitive. Like yeah, you okay, a lo- okay, but He waxes strong. He yeah. does. He does. Because mm-hmm. he's a Puritan. A great one. Some would say the greatest. Some would say it was all leading to Edwards. Right. Anyway. I don't know if you could cla- Some would say that. I, I wouldn't say that. But some would say that.
1: I don't know if I would classify him as a Puritan. Okay. In the strictest sense of the word. A Puritan <sighs> is someone who's trying to purify the Church of England. Okay, in that strict sense, then I guess you're not a Puritan either, Rand. Right? No, no. Okay, well, but don't not. you
0: think you're a Puritan? Uh,
1: I would say that I agree with their theology. You know? Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Edwards says <laughs> that the wheel. Let's let's get back on a serious. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll probably. That just. the wheel is actually bound. Now. Wh- Here's the most easy understanding of the will being bound. This is what I, I think, this is what my mind went to, is that the choice is removed. Okay. Bound means you had the ability to choose and then you lost it in the fall. Edwards says that's not it. And I agree. Mm-hmm. What he does say, though, is that... Luther, Luther would
1: also agree with him. He would. Yeah. Erasmus would not. Mm. No, he would not. You know er- who else wouldn't? Pelagian. <laughs> Pelagius would not agree with
0: that. Yeah so the the synopsis is your will is controlled by your desire, okay so that the real problem with man in his fallen condition, and I think this is what they're getting across point three is that he is dead in trespasses and sins, not unable to choose as a that that capacity taken from him, but only able to choose what he desires most that's that's Edwards thing. That's his con- contribution to this conversation. And yep. a big contribution, that is.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very biblical definition. Yes. So,
0: yeah. Check it out. Freedom of the Will, Very large book. That's my synopsis. Uh, the will's is controlled by desire. So our problem is that our nature, that is, our, every fiber of our being is corrupted and our desires are fallen. And therefore, we will to do evil only. So when when uh, when the confession says he can't prepare himself unto salvation, he can't meet God halfway. That's because he won't.
1: You're right. That's because he's fallen. Yeah. He he does he won't desire things that which are according to God because he's of the flesh. The so pa- you must be something not of the flesh in order to desire the things of God. That's Romans the, eight right there for yeah, you. Yeah,
0: the passage quoted Romans eight. There, yeah.
1: Uh, what was that saying? I think on, I hang
0: hang on, hang on. romans eight seven says that the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, it cannot submit to God's law, right um, It doesn't have the ability john six forty four no one has the ability to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. so this uh that's why it's stated, dead in sin, not able by his own strength to convert himself. Which most, okay, here's the, here's the thing, most Christians agree with that statement, not able by his own strength to convert himself. Only the most Armenian of Armenians uh, would say that that's untrue. What we, what we don't agree on is that, <laughs> or prepare himself thereunto. No uh, cooperative effort whatsoever. Yeah. That God prepares the way, makes the way, gives the way, applies the way, it's all God. Yeah. That's, the, that's the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, so their view would be one of prevenient grace. So they would agree with point two uh, or point three uh, from an Armenian perspective, at least a Wesleyan Armenian perspective. There's many Armenian perspectives, but no. from from like the best Armenian perspective, let's say it that way. They would agree with that as in the fact that they're fallen, that you're that you don't have ability to save yourself. What they're going to say then that there's prevenient grace, which comes alongside you that allows you to make this decision, and then ultimately it's up to you. No. That's, uh, um, that's what's autonomous free will there. Yeah. Um, so they get around Pelagianism by saying, yeah, well, you have to have a little bit of grace from God. But that grace of God is not actually going to accomplish His purposes. It's simply going to leave it up to you. Then you dictate to God how you feel, pretty much. Really? Well, yeah, but but uh, what's being confessed here is total inability of sinners to save themselves, to will or to do anything good. That includes faith. That includes salvation. The greatest good of all is faith in God. And
0: I do do think that is easily misunderstood, like you said. We do really appreciate the extremely rich donor to the sports team, to the hospital. We we, we see the common grace in that, and we thank God for that. Okay. Example. I got a sick kid. This is an example? This is an example. Okay. Okay, here it is. (laughs) I got a sick kid. Analogy. I don't care if the doctor I take him to, and MacArthur uses this analogy <laughs> Oh, good. the greatest american theologian, the greatest american theologian. <laughs> he's a great theologian he is no you i'm get not taking to anything away from the man. you're no. trying to though you no, laughed i'm just, i'm just you kidding. laughed at me you scoffed i did scoff at you scoffers gonna scoff <laughs> so so i have a sick kid mm-hmm. i don't really care if the doctor that i take him to is regenerate what i care is that he can he can help my child that's that's mccarthy uses the analogy of surgery i'm not asking the guy a bunch of spiritual questions i'm asking him if he can heal me if he can help me so that even in the most unregenerate person god displays his character and his his nature god's nature through that person by gifting them commonly for the good uh, civic good for the earthly good for the temporal good of mankind we don't deny that yeah so what we're saying is when that doctor performs 10,000 surgeries and saves 10,000 lives, he gains nothing in the <laughs> eyes of God. That's the offense there. We're saying that um, apart from Christ and his work applied to that doctor, no matter how many children he saves, no matter how much good he produces in culture, in society, whatever, means nothing. It's less than nothing. It's filthy rags. That's, that's what that's, Paul says. That's right? the offense of the gospel
1: there. What, it, what is that? Is that Romans? It's a
0: quotation from Isaiah.
1: Yeah, right. But what is, what is Paul to quote it? Roman is that Romans five or six? <laughs> I think it's Romans six. Hang on. Yeah, but your but your righteousness, but it is of filthy rags. Now I don't know why we don't translate that correctly. What minstrel rags? What, yeah, Paul uses menstrual impurity rags, not filthy as in like grease from changing the oil. Like, this is the in most... In the horse? In, <laughs> Change that horse. George, George, 3W20. 3W20. You take it right down the gullet. But anyway, so it's not, like, it's not like something you clean. This is the most filthy it can be. And that's not really illustrated through the, through the incorrect translation, in my opinion. But that's what he means. As in, this good that you're going to present to God is supposed to be righteous? Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, it's not. It, it's it, uh, it's Isaiah sixty four six originally, yeah. okay. And Paul uses it, Romans six, Romans six. I'm sticking with Romans six.
0: Romans six twenty three. Yes. Hang
1: on, let's make sure. Six twenty three. Let's verify that.
0: We need a dude, like uh, on popular podcasts that does our googling.
1: <laughs> That's not it. Well, it's not in the budget, Dave. It's not in the budget. Hang on, hang on. That's not it. So the Reformers, why, why you Google there? So the Reformers in, in, in the Bible, and, and we knowledge.
0: Romans, that, that was not it. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, the gift of God's eternal life. Mm.
1: Mm. But we acknowledge that there's such thing called, they would have called it civic good, as in there's good from man to man. As in it's good for, for sinful man to, uh, to do these things which are good uh, outwardly. It's just there's no merit with God. Because of those things, uh, that must be done with a change of nature and desire, not with just a change of outward conformity. And that's what uh, Jesus says to the Pharisees yet again. You know, he he confirms those things over and over.
0: So you think we, uh, you think we've turned civic good into religious good?
1: I think you, I think you can. So when you when you tell somebody to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and to do better, then yeah. And yeah, the only thing that they can do apart from the spirit of God is civic good. In no way is it righteously good.
0: I'm trying to find where Paul quotes that.
1: Hang on, man. Yeah. I feel like you've been given ample time at this point. You've been given ample time to find it. That.
0: That's why I need is my a
1: Googler. Anybody out there wants to be a Googler? <laughs> Call us. Call us. <laughs> <laughs> we got a chair right here for you. Nobody would probably do that because they'd realize all that we said was probably not right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what?
1: Oh, this is inaccurate.
0: Oh, let's try
1: First Corinthians one thirty. No, it's in Romans, I, Mitch. I can't find it in Romans. It, it's Mitch. It's in Romans. Just it. Google the verse. Just Google the verse. <laughs> I, I, it's, just, I, it's not in there. It's just not there. You just move on. I'll find it about that.
0: Wow. Anyway, uh, Isaiah sixty four <laughs> says that your righteousness is like filthy rags. That idea, at least, <laughs> is, is carried over <laughs> into the New Testament,
1: very clear, very clearly. No, that's unfortunate. <laughs>
0: oh no. Had a brief power outage there. Forgive us. I'm thinking we're back. (laughs) Are we back? I think I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking we're back. Okay. So. Harry, I took care of it. I think we're back. So, uh, on a serious note, paragraph uh, 3 really is the offense of this entire understanding we have, the reform community that may embrace me as a son, maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope so. So th- being dead in trespasses highlights not the inability to make a choice. Yeah. It highlights the nature that's connected to the human person that dominates their will. That's really it. So uh, your will is to do your father's will. That's what Christ says in John seven or eight somewhere in there. I think okay, it's in John. Yeah, right. We're do- we're not doing well with our citations.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is falling all the pieces. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> this is falling apart. Yeah. Why do you always
0: critique us, man? Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, that's what he means. Total inability in point three. Um, we do think that your will is captive to sin, but it's freely captive, if that makes sense. It's it's acting upon desire and it's freely doing that, and now it's in a prison and it's captive and it's bound to, to sin post fall. So the
0: analogy is used for your condition, our condition, the human condition without Christ, blind, dead. So you tell me how that meets halfway, you know? The burden of proofs on you. <laughs> and the burden of proofs on you. the burden of proofs on you. all right. so move on to paragraph four, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm good with. It.
0: When God converts a sinner and translates him into the state of grace, he frees him from his natural bondage under sin. by his grace alone enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Yet so as that by reason of his remaining corruptions, he does not perfectly nor only will that which is good, but does also that which is evil.
1: Yeah, so that was what Luther would have called... uh of justified and sinner at the same time. Simul justus
0: and peccator. There you go. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> Simultaneously just and unjust.
1: Simultaneously just and unjust. So the sanctification process is now your relationship to the law has changed. And you're no longer under the law, but now you can fulfill those things because you can actually, in 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 some sense, like Adam, uh, will and do what is good. So there's actually righteous deeds to be done after regeneration. So we don't continue down that thing road as our acts are as filthy rags. Our acts are now actually righteous because they can be motivated from an actual place of glorifying God and not ourselves. Was it Piper
0: that said the hardest thing, or maybe it was Martin Lloyd-Jones and quoted by Piper, the hardest thing to get the sinner to do is to believe that he can't do good. And then the hardest thing to get the Christian to do is believe that he can do good. Yeah. Something of that nature.
1: Something of that nature. I think you conveyed it well either way. Something, okay. Yeah, so uh, the struggle with sin is not yet gone until glorification or to um, perfect Christ's likeness in soul, at the utter death and body and the resurrection.
0: Yeah, so when I say this uh, <clears throat> debate, contention, whatever, discussion about the will is philosophical, it is. Philosophical in the sense that men have to ruminate on things and come up with... Um, how we phrase it, uh, but it's amazing actually, when you study the scriptures, how clear this actually is, how it's not philosophical in the same sense of like, I wonder if Adam had a belly button, right, <laughs> that's philosophical, <laughs> that's speculative, we don't know, probably not, here's the thing, the Bible actually speaks clearly to this, like, and to deny it is to deny scripture, so here here's some more text they quote, um, Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Dominion is a word that means authority and total control. So, uh, when God gives Adam dominion, for example, over the creation, uh, over the earth, that means He has it. The earth is now His. It is it is a derivative dominion that God gives, but nonetheless, it's a dominion. He still uh, has to take it. He's, he still has to take it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's not important right now. Thanks. I'm glad you brought it up, though. Me too. So, um, when we're in the domain of darkness, um, he's delivered us from the domain or the realm of this place where we were, and he put us somewhere else. That's really what salvation is in in really all its aspects. So, when we talk about salvation, we talk about freed from past sins. We're, we no longer have that guilt of past sins um, that's taken from us. We're talking about future sins that we will surely commit. We're freed from those because we have an atonement that's retroactive and going backwards and forwards and the whole deal. Mm. We're presently free. This is the probably the least emphasized aspect, is that we're presently free not to continually obey our previous lusts and passions because we've yeah, been given I, a new nature. Yeah, you're, uh, you're free
1: from the power of sin now. Now. That means you're not... You're not bound to do it. So whatever sin in which you struggle with, you can mortify. You can. You can. You have the ability to do so through the power of the Spirit. Obviously, by, it's a by grace. So I want you to notice what what's uh, common between point one and point four is God hath indeed in point one, or endued, and then in point four, when God converts a sinner. So we we say that free will that is actually righteous or is actually capable of fulfilling these things, is the first contingent is God has done these things. God has en- endued the person with free will, and God has moved this person into a state of grace. So because of who God is, now our wills can reflect His in that sense. God has done this work. It's, it's by His grace and His grace alone that you and I can now not sin, that you and I can now actually do works of righteousness to glorify Christ. John eight thirty six, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed.
0: Um mm. uh, Romans seven. This is to illustrate the remaining and again that's a whole nother debate about what to call what remains the flesh. <coughs> some people it's a sin nature, in my opinion. Some people like Eve would say <laughs> that it's uh you now have a dual nature somehow.
1: <laughs> Not somehow, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Romans seven fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I think you don't agree I, with it.
0: Well, we won't get into it here. For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do the good I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Romans 7, in general, is the place to go to see what this really fleshes itself out to be when you have a regenerate nature and you're bound to the flesh uh, and you're stuck in this um, constant spiritual war, <clears throat> one in which you can, in fact, fail at. So, they use Romans 7, 15, 18, 19, 21, 23. Suffice it to say, Romans 7 is the manual. Uh, Paul's own self-testimony about his own condition as a regenerate person. That's my contention. Now, the the one that works it, I think, as clear as it gets, is Philippians 2, um, uh, 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 13, for it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now think about what that actually says. Just let that, if you don't get nothing else from this entire time, it actually says plainly that God is the one who works into you the will to do what he, had both to will and to do. So it's one thing to say God enables you to do, but he works into you even the will to do. He changes your, your will, in effect, by changing your nature. So you work that out. That is, you you diligently strive to be obedient um, to what God has ordained and commanded, both in worship and in practical disciplines. You work that out. Work out your own salvation. That is, uh, you are saved. So now it comes out of you in every level and every facet. But it's God that works in you both to will and to do.
1: It's by grace you do those things. So we think of justification by the change of nature. We think of sanctification. That's regeneration. We think of justification. What change of nature? It's regeneration. It's a change of nature. Or justification in the sense is divine declaration. It changes your nature. Regeneration. Oh, That's fine. Okay. You, you go with that? You want to get specific? You go with that? So we think of uh, justification or regeneration as a change of nature. As in it's a divine declaration. It comes, it comes forth in an instant. We think of sanctification as taking part in that new nature in which you, which you have. So in that same way that you are wholly engulfed by sin, by total depravity, you're wholly engulfed by righteousness, by uh, rebirth, by being uh, in Christ. And that's a gradual process, such as redemption is a gradual process. It, we, we have to stop thinking of salvation as a past event that, that's happened to us. In one sense, we've died to sin, and it is in the past. It has a present reality and also a future consummation. But it's not, merely, uh, it's not merely a past event in and, and that same way. The wheel is now changing with these things that you now have the power over sin. You ultimately have the power over sin at conversion. I would note
0: that they say, yet so as that by reason of his remaining corruptions. And I think they do that. I could be wrong. I haven't done the research to really back this up. I think they do that because there's an ongoing debate a theological nuance debate about the sin nature that remains, what is it, how does it work, if we have a new nature and we're a new creature, all that. So, uh, either way, we're not fully um, in point five, as it would say. We're not fully glorified. We still have this struggle. We still have to, uh, from our perspective, work out our own salvation. Um, And in retrospect, it becomes very clear that it is, god who works that in us it's very clear
1: yeah in the state of grace yeah what's it mean by state of grace that means you have moved from god's enemy to god's friend that means that you should have been killed and sent to hell now he hasn't he has now adopted you sanctified you justified what does you what does the salvation? catholic church mean when they say state of grace state of grace to them is uh, now you have the ability to earn your salvation so, so you didn't before, now in Christ you have the ability to actually make yourself righteous by uh, atoning for your own sins, uh, whether it's by penance or whatever else, and by actually doing righteousness. So you atone for your own sins by penance, and then you actually create for yourself merit by doing righteous acts. The priest atones for you. Just do what he says. Right, well, so that's a continual act of sacrifice of Christ. That's a sacrifice, Mitch. I said that correctly. They <laughs> they continually sacrifice Christ for the, the continual remediation of sins, which is never complete. But they do that so that you can be covered again and then continue to accrue uh, righteousness. That's the reason there's purgatory, because there's very few people. In the Catholic system, if you're actually righteous on earth, that's why. That's how you get sainthood. That means you don't even have to go to the purgatory. You just go straight to the pearly gates. That's the reason purgatory can be thousands, millions of years, because you have to pay for that sin which you did not pay for here, and you have to accrue righteousness which you did not here. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it's not an all, a biblical system. No, well, it is a false gospel and a false system. Oh. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> side note about that: oh. all the pearly, all the pearly, all the pearly gates jokes about Saint Peter—that comes from Catholicism. Don't make those jokes anymore.
1: I, I just made one.
0: I know. Like you, you, did you, you didn't bring up Saint Peter, though.
1: No, I just said the pearl gates, though. You did. Yeah. You
0: did. Which is from Revelation.
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. <laughs> where. But at the same time, okay. Pearly gates are fine, but Saint Peter and list not <laughs> so fine. You any Saint Peter jokes? Okay. No, don't do it.
1: Yeah, so they're <laughs> not going to agree with. They're not going to agree with four. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to agree that that this relationship remains of just and unjust, just uh, and then progressively being. Now here's um, the here's sanctified they have no they have no definition of sanctification. No, it's here, all justified. Here's the kicker too. Oh. Is that also
0: not only do does the counterpoint the 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 Armenian point not believe in point three, ultimately they also don't believe in point four or five because they also don't believe in eternal security or perseverance of the saints. Well they believe in point five, probably. Maybe. <laughs> it it again to have a cooperative effort logically is to have a continuing cooperative effort.
1: They might not logically be able yeah. to justify it, but that doesn't mean they don't believe in it.
0: True. Okay. Good. So the continue most Armenians, true Armenians, obviously don't believe in you can you you come halfway to get it, you can go back halfway. Oh later. yeah, the yeah, perseverance
1: right. is a logical inconsistency. Yeah. yeah, on that position, I've said that multiple times. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome, man. All right. So point four. You were some, a little fiery this morning. the power went out. I, I got all
0: flustered, yeah, so your nature's changed, I think uh that's what point Four is saying now you have the ability to obey, and it's coupled with the remaining corruption,
1: yeah, so this is not perfected on this side of eternity right, yeah,
0: which is another big difference
1: between Wesley since you brought up the Wesleyan army, so yeah. we ne- we never that's reached- the greatest form of Armenianism in my opinion, it's okay. not great, but it it's the best,
0: okay. Which which would propose an idea of perfectionism that is, you can achieve. Yeah, you can a state where you no longer sin before you die and are glorified.
1: Now Wesley would have said that you can you can be perfected and then the next day lose it, which is just amazing to me. You can be in a state of perfection, but that state's still mutable. Uh, You can still fall and 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 lose your salvation, which just means I just think that's just stupid. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's just it's just logically stupid to. To even, yeah, that that's that should point to you the, the importance of systematic it, you know. yeah it
0: also contradicts very clear statements around like oh, yeah. romans 7 like the apostle paul <laughs> and his state of imperfection yeah you know it's not like paul was converted monday and wrote romans thursday he's been trying this thing for a while okay and and Sproul often told the story not to just keep plugging sproul Sproul often told the story of a like a 17 year old kid don't quote me on that but a young kid that he came across who was a wesleyan perfectionist <laughs> and uh he was like so you, you've and he said i've attained this i don't sin anymore and he said so you think you're you've attained a greater spiritual life than the apostle paul was able to attain when he wrote romans and he thought you know that that's going to be the death knell of this kid's argument he said yeah for sure that's what i'm saying he said okay <laughs> you know what i mean that's that's that's, that's
1: Spank Junior."
0: Yeah, that's, that's
1: what he said. You a, mm-hmm. He you on that.
0: All right, paragraph five. <laughs> this will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to good alone in the state of glory only. They use Ephesians 4.13. Yep. Until we all attain the unity of the faith uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This so, idea
1: that that's where we're headed.
0: Yeah. We're We're headed
1: to this... That's wow. the ultimate consummation when you're not only removed from the power of sin, but the presence. Hmm. You're not only removed from the presence of sin, but you're you're, you're removed from the even the possibility of sin. Yeah, uh, that's what so, he means by immutable, there, unchanging.
0: I a bit of another side note, real quick, but I think this this is this <laughs> this this is helpful to illustrate this point. I think I think. So, we live in a very anxiety laden place, like. People can't even, you know, function sometimes because of the level of anxiety that plagues our society. And anxiety is a worry about a possibility. Now, worry is a worry about something presently going on, right? Like, I got a bullet in my foot and it worries me, right? That's not the same as anxiety. Anxiety is I might get a bullet in my foot. Uh Uh-oh. It, it, yeah. So, so that, that's just a very uh, blue-collar distinction I would make there. Okay? So here's the, the, the scary part about anxiety is that, to some degree, it's very logical. right? Because the vast majority of human experience is suffering on, on this side of glory. The vast majority. Um, people that don't have a grasp of the sovereignty of God and His providential hand or a trust in his character and nature to guide the events that unfold on, on this side of glory, and even people that do understand that but still struggle to apply that, like myself, anxiety. Uh, it's it's not so. Um, I often have conversations with my wife in which she's anxious about something, and I say to her, "Logic, I can give you. I can give you the logic, like probability. This event will never happen to you." or to us, or to our children. Logic isn't really the issue there, because it never is. My point is, it is truly logical in a state of mutability to be afraid of mutability. (laughs) Mutability meaning change. Because we have no guarantees of tomorrow. We have no guarantees not to get a bullet in our foot, vice versa. right? And therefore, what we really need is this state of unmutable you know, immutable um, existence with God. Like, that's going to be uh, something you can't even quantify.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The,
0: so that the idea is, and I, I myself struggle with anxiety as well. I think most people do. Some people are better at hiding it than others. Right? I think most people struggle with the unknown, and because it is logical. It's logical to say, this could happen. Because that's true on this side of glory. We will get to a point, though, and the promise of Christ and ultimate glorification is there's going to come a time when there's nothing to be anxious about. <laughs> like this will not change. You have an eternal glorified state with God. Mm-hmm. Peace, you know? Um, yeah. Pretty amazing promise
1: yeah i agree with you there that it would
0: be amazing that. to just have the opportunity to go and get a shot in the garden right that'd be amazing in <laughs> our mind <laughs> but but what we're saying is is that there comes a time in the promise of christ and glorification that
1: there's no fear anymore of uh change yeah i think five is really the death nail to uh, any sort of armenian system because obviously if you have an Armenian framework of free will, or if you have an autonomous view of man's freedom, whatever you want to say there, you can't logically, I want to hold that caveat, Mitch, you can't logically confirm point 0.5. You can't do it because the will of man is made perfectly immutable. Mm. That doesn't mean that your free will is now taken away in the state of grace, in the state of consummation. That means it's unable to change Okay, if if we want to somehow say that's autonomous free will and that you have to have the, the choice to 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 leave the state of grace, or it's not free, mm-hmm. then you don't have it. <laughs> right, you don't have that in, in in eternity. But if we if we understand it correctly and biblically, this isn't against your will. Right, you're not immutably uh, changed into this glorified state in which that you're just constantly like, I want to get out of here, man, but I can't. I just can't. There's a fence. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. I can't get over this. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's what free will is. So this this will of man is made perfect, immutable in the eternal state. But yet again, it's free.
0: You didn't like my analogy to anxiety.
1: Yeah, no, that was good. That was a very good. Uh, what it means to be immutable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was great. It's a legitimate fear. I didn't. Uh, you shot in the foot was a little. Your, the bullet in the foot. I, I didn't know where you were going with that. to start Oh. With, okay. Yeah. I liked the analogy. It's just <laughs> the, the elements were like getting shot in the foot. right?
0: You've never been shot in the foot. <laughs>
1: You worried about that? Well, I mean, I'm not worried about it anymore. I've been shot in the foot so many times at this point. <laughs> you end up shooting yourself in the foot. The foot. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Also, metaphorically. So metaphorically, I've shot myself in the foot quite a bit. <laughs> one of them might have been agreeing to do this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, that was a good one. That was you got me again. Oh. The last word will be had. There you go. So uh, what we look forward to is a time in which we don't have another probationary period of covenant of works, but when the fullness of the covenant of grace has come to pass and we stand eternally as recipients of grace in an immutable state of fellowship with God. No fear of death, no fear of corruption, no fear of another fall. like we, That is true peace with God. And the um, Reformed argument is that we have that now in one sense. We have that peace with God. We're you have that
1: assurity, yeah, that it will happen.
0: Well, and in effect, we have the retroactive peace that yeah, comes right. along okay. with that. Yeah, right. good. I see where you're going. Okay. Yeah. So we have the peace uh, that passes understanding. We have the ability to obey God now in a new nature. We have a new promise of destination in eternity. Uh, and an assurance of that by raising Christ from the dead, Acts 17. Christ has been raised from the dead. He's been appointed the judge of all mankind. We who find ourselves in him can have this uh, true understanding of the world, true peace that does pass even knowledge, that supersedes logic. You know, uh, It's an amazing pastoral practical application of doctrine to understand the peace that you can have when you rightly divide God's purpose like it you know so in the midst of terrible external circumstance you can have this peace because it's not based on that right uh, it's amazing jesus freely offers that
1: yeah so point five you still this is of the of the will of man <clears throat> you still have the boy you still have the ability of acting upon desire and choice
0: so even in eternity I even think in eternity you have free will yeah
1: uh, the difference immutable. is... immutable. So, immutable. And I, here's how I would... Okay. With an Armenian understanding or with yeah, right. a modern... I don't yeah. even understand how you comprehend that. Because if it's immutable to you with it that can't be free, it's not free will. It can't be free. It, you have no comprehension of that yeah. whatsoever. You have no logical worldview yeah. that would hash that out.
0: So I think the misunderstanding, and a very popular one about heaven, is that we're up there, it's boring, no baseball, right? Yeah. Point five
1: ultimately uh, is here, uh, not in heaven. Why are you looking at it like that? I'll go ahead and explain that. <laughs> Point 5. <laughs> Point 5 is the transformation of the earth in which you and I tread on, not 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 heaven where it is now. So <laughs> so this this happens, this immutable state happens in soul at your death, in body at the resurrection, and the transforming of the cosmos which you and I live here on. So this in the ultimate sense uh-huh. will not Will not take place in an ethereal place, but here on Earth, where we walk now. So uh, that's reason Thy Kingdom come, Thy will be done on Earth, as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, that means heaven is being transformed. I mean, I mean, Earth is being transformed. Mm. (laughs) I'm sorry. Was that controversial You think I just want Maybe we should Just skip to the
0: Eschatology episode I think we should I'm just saying Eschatology touches All these things You know what I mean Everything's connected I think so For sure So (laughs) um, Here's an example Of free will In heaven Or earth
1: (laughs) The consummated earth Let's say it that way In the
0: eternal state Let's say it that way Just be precise Mitch. That's really what I'm asking of you Okay. In the eternal
1: state Okay good
0: No more mutability No more mutability if you had the option, let's just say it like this this is, this is a rudimentary example, nonetheless. If you had the option of eating shoe leather or eating filet mignon, right? Give me that bootstrap. You have freedom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have freedom. The difference is it's, it's not a choice in that scenario. It's not really a choice, you know? It's like, do you want to, uh, I don't know, jump into the river with a cinder block tied to your waist, or do you want to eat a filet mignon? Let's take the, I really like filet mignon. So, mm-hmm. is that a choice? Yeah, but no, right? So, in the eternal immutable state of grace, why, why does free will remain? Because new nature desires different things, and in the presence of God, mm-hmm. it's not a choice,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's not a choice. Yeah, it's not a choice that uh, that's mutable. It's in, it's, it's You're changeable. No
0: yeah. one's going to make that choice. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah,
0: no one's going to make that. i see choice. what you were doing there. That's that's what I'm going for. And that's that's a rudimentary human way to try yeah. to try to explain something that's way higher than that. But you know, ice cream or broccoli. Nobody chooses broccoli. It's not a choice. Ice cream is
1: better. Mm. Ice cream is better.
0: All right. So, we're, that's what we ultimately look for as Christians, is the glorification of the body and the changing yep.
1: of uh, immutability of our existence. It's what we long for, to uh, exchange faith for sight and that unchanging throughout all eternity. I mean, that's good. So, uh, just to recap. Yeah. Just to recap. So, uh, we said this at the beginning. Point one is the definition of biblical free will. Two is the state of free will prior to the fall. Point three is the state of free of free will prior to conversion. So if you're dead in trespass and sin, what does it mean for your will? In point three, it's captive; it's bound by by sin, yet acting upon truly free in the sense of point one. Uh, and point three, or point f- point three, we see um, oh, point three is the the fall. Point four is. Uh, After conversion or after regeneration after you've received your new nature what your will is then and point five is ultimately what it will be in glorification one more time as it it glorified in the sense of soul at your death immutable unable to change in the presence of God in body at the return of Christ in the resurrection in the recreation and the consummation of all things
0: you mean just one resurrection
1: yes Resurrection of life or resurrection of death—same resurrection with different implications. (laughs) You got it in there. (laughs) So point five is ultimately the consummate state of man's will, free, unable to change, in a state of grace, enjoying God forever. Amen. that is the chief end of man. So don't
0: never say that nobody said that Calvinists don't believe in no free will.
1: That's that is that. There's a pretty good summation for you of what free will is. Here we stand. Yeah, we can do no other. <laughs> we can. Bound because by the, we chose. <laughs> Bound by the text of Scripture itself. What's coming up, Eric? Uh, what is of a factual calling? <sighs> Chapter ten, ten yep. episode eleven. eleven. Thank you for being with us. May God richly bless you as you go forward.